the art was just the outer manifestation of me recovering who I was before I got lost. Welcome to Darken the Page, a podcast for lovers of writing and the creative process. And now, here's your host, Dave Buda. Welcome to Darken the Page. Today's interview is with Allison Crow. Allison is a visual artist. She is a painter. And one of the things I really appreciate about Allison, and you will absolutely hear this in the interview, is Allison has no problem being herself. She's an extremely expressive woman, and that's also why I love her as an artist. We talk about a lot of really uh, moving things, especially the last half of this interview. I thought um, Allison really opened up and shared some very vulnerable things, and it was a really beautiful conversation. So go to darkenthepage.com slash 015 for the show notes, we reference uh, some articles that Allison's uh, written, some of her paintings, some of her work, and I think you're going to really enjoy this podcast, so on to the show. Hello, I'm here today with my soul sister, Allison Crow. Allison <laughs> is um, Allison is a combination of two people, which uh, ha- makes her qualified for the show. One is that is that she's an artist, and two is that every time we talk, I really just enjoy the conversation and life looks prettier afterwards. So um, thanks for taking the time to, to come on the show with me, Allison. I'm excited. This is going to be fun. Totally, totally. So just before we kind of jump in here, just tell everybody just a little about you as an artist. That's always like a humongous question. It could have started when you were like one years old. But just like a few little things about where you've been and what you're up to. Right. Well, obviously, not obviously, because you don't know yet. But it did start when I was young. And I, I one of the significant points in my youngness was there was a show called The Bugaloos. And it had fairies. And I remember <laughs> drawing a piece of paper, like drawing one of the characters, one of these. They were like bumblebees and fairies and stuff, human beings dressed up like a and I draw. I, I drew one character. Her name was Joy, and I drew it on a lined piece of spiral paper, you know, torn up. And and at some point, I showed it to a friend of my dad's, and he said, "Oh, you're an artist." Mm. And he said, "May I have this?" And I said, "Yes." And then then my family and we went over to the, his house one time in Austin, and he was actually a living. That's how he made his living as an artist. And he had made this custom frame that was covered in these globs of paint. And he had framed my picture of this little fairy and he had put a gold medal on it. Oh my and God, that's the sweetest thing I've ever heard. I know. Like, and, and, you know, then I thought it was really cool. But as an adult, I think it's so much cooler because I, there was, there was a grown up, right? Like somebody that we look up into our world that was encouraging the art person in me. And like many creative people, um, somewhere along the way, I pushed that aside. Um, mm-hmm. And my creativity was limited to problem solving and thinking. And yeah. it wasn't really artistic creativity. Yeah. Maybe writing, you know, got a few accolades for writing and writing well um, in college and school and stuff like that. And and somewhere along the way, I started um, in when I was a sales coach and sales training, I just got bored with the four colors that were on the dry erase boards. Mm-hmm. 
and went to Office Depot or Max or whatever and got, you know, like a multi-pack. And then I started taking notes in Sharpies. And, and one day found that this actually using color and drawing pictures in teaching and training was actually a job that it was a, a job called graphic facilitation. Oh, nice. And so in about 2000, um, from about 2009, 10 to 2013, I was doing graphic recording, um, which is visual, like where somebody's talking and you draw what they're talking about. And I would go to these events and people would say, you're an artist. And I'd be like, no, I just doodle. Yeah. No, I just doodle. And it was very, in my mind, I call it the corporate world of my creativity because I was mm -hmm. being told not necessarily how to draw or those kind of things. And, and at that time, um, the iPads were coming out and it was new and exciting technology to be able to do this, not just on the wall with paper, but to do it on the iPad. And the iPad had um, these apps, right, like that you could paint. And at that time, this is just a few years ago, I was terrified of painting because I didn't consider myself an artist. Uh, you know, maybe I doodled here or there, but I, I could never paint because a tube of paint is like anywhere from 7 to $33, right? Mm -hmm. It's expensive. Canvas is expensive. It's expensive. And I made all these excuses. And I started creating paintings on the iPad. And... Um, so in 2013, just two years ago, um, coming up on about this time, um, so it's February, I was like, okay, I'm going to give myself a present. And I took a, an abstract painting class, and um, it really just gave me permission to buy some materials. And I, I painted something there. You know, I don't really remember a whole lot about that experiment, except for it was just a portal mm -hmm. to beginning to give myself permission to play. Mm -hmm. And um, between that and art journaling, I started kind of with art journaling and, and making some messes and, and experimenting with inks and stuff in art journals. And those two things, I, I haven't stopped since then. Mm -hmm. I just, I felt I, like I found myself again. There's that Picasso quote, like art, I'm going to slaughter it, but art, you know, washes the dust off of our souls. And I felt mm -hmm. like the dust was washed off my soul. And so I literally just tinkered around nonstop and still do with mediums and materials and um, really became a, if prolific means every single day, a prolific painter up until about the last three weeks. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a little bit of a dry spell. Um, and I don't even know if I call that, I've just allowed myself to get big, busy. Or, yeah. you know, it's, it's not so much a block, but it's just like, oh, I just need to put a canvas up on the wall and, and yeah. play. Yeah. Um, but literally up until about then uh, I was painting every single day, something, some way. Nice. And, yeah. uh, yeah. I just want to I want to take a second and go back to that that story because that is that really is just that is so beautiful. I, I, I for whatever reason I've I've heard a few other stories that were the opposite end of the spectrum. You know, it's like mm -hmm. the the discouraging experience when you're like in that like very gooey formative age, mm -hmm. and uh, I just absolutely love that that you had that experience. I had a similar experience, not in the art realm, but in generosity. I remember my parents had put me on a, a plane to go visit my grandparents. This is when you could actually walk up to the gates and airplanes mm -hmm. before September 11th. And so they had put me on this plane and I was like, I think it was like five or six years old. I was pretty young. And he sat next to this woman um, and 
it was an older couple and I sat next to them and, and she asked if I wanted to play cards and I said, yeah, I love playing cards. And so, and she said, well, what do you want to play? And I, and I offered like go fish or probably whatever games I knew. And she goes, Oh, I don't know. How do you play that? I don't know how to play. And, and, she, and, and, and I said, Oh really? And I, so I taught her how to play and she could tell how excited I was to, to show her how to play and all this other stuff. And then we played cards for the whole trip. And, and then at the end of it, she, she was like, thank you so much for, for, uh, for teaching me how to play. And she gave me the deck of cards, Aww. which to like a five or six year old is like, it's like, it's like dropping like a suitcase full of cash. I mean, it's like, that's yeah. like a huge <laughs> gift. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, like I love teaching people <laughs> like this is so awesome. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and, and in a beautiful way, I look at depending on, you know, how you see the universe, but I love those experiences and like, wow, like who was that? I mean, really like this, you know, this isn't like some some what was that tv show like call from an angel or something but yeah, like yeah. you know it's like the angel comes down and on the <laughs> plane like, just to just to plant the seeds of what you're doing today yeah, yeah like that is the coolest that's if i if i have any definition of god which i don't really that would be it it would be that person mm-hmm. that comes yeah. into our life in that age and plants that seed because it is it's just the most beautiful act of like human things that we do, I think. Mm. Yeah. I love it. Giving permission, right? Giving permission. Yeah. And, and especially creative. I was a, I was a kindergarten teacher somewhere along my path and I worked in a, a small private Catholic school and I taught kindergarten for two years and they would always come up, Miss Crow, will you draw me something? You know, and it was kind of like, will you draw me a rainbow? Will you draw me a fish? And they would try to stump me. Right. Uh-huh. And so I, I would draw these and then we would, I get sick of drawing. And so we'd make copies and then we'd have these coloring pages. And I just noticed how much the kindergartners loved drawing and how every single one of these kids, all 28 of them for two years would line up for drawings. And then I became the technology coordinator of this school. And I, so I taught K through eight and as the, the computer teacher and technology coordinator, I remember just doing my own little, you know, obviously small, um, small little pool here, but mm-hmm. I would ask each grade as they came in, you know, who considers themselves creative, who considers themselves an artist. Yeah, nice. And it was, and it was so fascinating, you know, all the kindergartners and first graders, hands way up, hands way up. And, um, and then as they would move through second, third, fourth grade, you know, some of the class would drop off, some of the class would drop off. And mm-hmm. what was interesting to me in, in the three years that I was a technology coordinator, I did this. And so some of the kids overlapped, obviously. But it was interesting that as I got into to fifth, sixth, seventh and eighth grade, there were no girls left. Mm. And, and by the time it was eighth grade and if there was somebody that considered themselves creative or an artist, in my tiny little pool, it was always a dude. It was mm. always a guy. And, um, and, and so just as a woman, right, like the, I don't know what it's like to be a guy. And mm. I know, I do know that all, you know, all many human beings are criticized or, or said, you know, told you can't make a living doing that. Or, you know, it's kind of dismissed, mm. but I just found it interesting that the boys lasted longer than the girls in that belief. Mm. Yeah. That would, that surprises me actually. I wouldn't have guessed I know. That. I mean, I, I would know. have guessed that the numbers would have tailed off in general, you know, yeah. but it would, it would be fascinating to see a study like that on clearly a larger, a larger pool. Um, 
And it was interesting because even though it was a private school, it was a it wasn't a like super wealthy private school. It was a lot of middle class people that literally were sacrificing everything so their kids could have a, a religious education a good education. Mm-hmm. And many, 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 many of the moms were working moms. Um, and I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but there's something about that that all ties together. Um, it's interesting. As I think know, about that, it's like, you know, there that speaks to two things for me. One is this idea that, you know, we lose our, we lose the, the creative spark, right? And, but the second one is, is that it's almost like that's, that's just the development of identity, period. Because, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, when that question is like, who considers himself an artist? Well, when you ask that to a kindergartner, a kindergartner doesn't have a sense that that question is about identity. Right. You know, and then when you ask that to a seventh grader, they hear it as, okay, it's time to identify yourself. Mm-hmm. What camp are you in? Yeah. You yes, know, exactly. And it's really fascinating to see that. Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. cool. Okay, so tell us, tell us, tell me about the last like three weeks. Like, what's that been? Um, oh, I know. Like, what's going like? on? Um, <laughs> yeah, everybody I mean, goes I, through I, these things. Yeah, yeah, everybody does go through them. Um, I think part of it is it was just traveling. I've traveled, and I've had three. You know, here we are in the third week of February. So I've traveled. I've had three almost week long trips in the first six weeks of the year, mm-hmm. and um, the re- the recovery time in between. And so I just haven't, I haven't, the other thing, my husband's also home too. And so, um, which, which he's been home before, but the last quote semester, he taught his last semester. And so like just figuring out our new routines and mm-hmm. I have, I have frankly and honestly chosen to come up here and lay down in bed and watch TV instead of, I would have many nights where, um, where I would actually paint in the evenings where I would turn on my music mm-hmm. and, and paint in the evenings. Um, part of that might also be that, um, this, this is so corny. Like there's so many excuses, right? Is that it's really cold downstairs in my house in the mm-hmm. winter. This is my first winter in this house yeah. and, and it's cold down there. And so in the evenings we want to, especially as the sun goes down and gets colder, it's like, Oh, we go upstairs where the warmth is. So, yeah. Yeah. um, yeah. Um, so yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, like, let's say like, you know, how do you get yourself back on the back on the wagon and, just as a general conversation, not necessarily like this, you know, this situation is that important, but, but I mean, this is a really good topic because I think we all go through this and what are some ways to get us back into the habit of doing this in a way that's easy and fun and not so stressful. Right. Well, the first thing I think Dave is I got to give myself credit that even though I haven't painted like, I did go to a painting workshop, but even though I haven't painted like up on a big canvas with my paint, I have either had my watercolors out at my desk or I doodled today while I was on a call. Mm -hmm. So I I do write or create something almost every day automatically. Um, And so I haven't done it on the big performance level, so to speak. But how do I get back into it? I think for me is... Um, and one of the things like I can even feel luring me is I have three or four blank canvases sitting there just waiting Mm. and then also having tons of supplies around like, and everything is out. Right. So I've, I commandeered the dining room at my old house. I took over the guest bedroom, like Mm. got rid of the bed and I just turned this, this little square box into my studio and, and make it a place that I like. And so I set up the environment so that the environment calls to me. 
Yeah. So that yeah. it's just like even my desk is um, perpendicular to my pa- I have a painting desk and a, a place where I uh, at, at the wall where I paint yeah. and I can't escape it. Right. It's just right there. And it so it's like the candy store is right there, mm-hmm. which doesn't make me feel bad. It makes me salivate. It yeah. makes me it just makes me horny for the materials. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, that's that's kind of. You know, if it's out of sight, it's out of mind. Yeah. And when it's in sight, then it gives me, and even the longing I have for it now is kind of like a seduction, right? I just allow it to seduce me. Nice, nice. And uh, and maybe I'm not, you know, maybe I'm not, oh, I just had an idea. What if like we as creatives really don't, we're so bad at, and we're not giving ourselves credit. Um, so even though I haven't like picked up the paintbrush or squirted it, paint out of a tube my brain has been painting the next painting nice you've been seducing yourself yeah yes and i think about that one time i bought a boat and it was literally that fast like Uh i stopped i was going to meet a girlfriend um my husband at the time was like no 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 to boats and i was single and i was like i'm gonna go see how much a boat is and if a boat is less than twenty four twenty thousand dollars if this brand of boat which i was you know is less than twenty thousand dollars and i can finance it i'm gonna do it mm-hmm. and so i went in and i had i really did not expect the boat to be under twenty thousand dollars and they're like yeah this boat is eighteen thousand dollars i said great write it up i'm gonna go to lunch to a movie and i'll be back to buy it nice and they looked at me like i was crazy and my girlfriend was like, how did you just buy a boat? And I said, no, you don't understand. I really didn't just buy a boat. Yeah, yeah. I've been buying a boat in my mind since the day I moved out of my parents' house and they had a boat or since the day they sold their boat. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I, I think that as a creative, I'm, I'm, I'm writing my book right now. Have I sat down in front of the computer? No, but I'm always writing the book. Yeah. I'm always painting it in my mind. And I'm tired of not giving that shit credit. That fucking deserves some credit. Oh yeah. It's like foreplay. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> it gets me in the mood and then it makes it so much more exciting when I sit down. You know, I guess there's people that have this, oh, you you write every single day. It's like the, what it was at the Stephen Pressfield and the War of Art. Uh-huh. And I, I, I didn't even read that whole book, but I don't want art to be war. I want it to be like making love. Yeah. And and yeah, sometimes I'm not in the mood, but what gets me in the mood is daydreaming about it. Not thinking about how horrible I am. You know, if I think about, oh, I'm so horrible, I haven't had sex with my husband in however long, that doesn't get me horny. It doesn't get you closer to having sex with him, yeah. It doesn't get me closer any time. So then I can just start playing around with, like, like for some reason, I just have a feeling that the next painting, the last two were red and orange, and I did these dream catchers. And there's something about blue calling to me and I don't normally paint with a lot of blues and uh-huh. and in my mind I see a medicine man and I see a bunch of blues and yeah. maybe that will make the final canvas and maybe it'll just make a layer but yeah. I see a bunch of blues and browns and and sand colors yeah. um, you know who knows what it will look like when it comes out I don't ever think about that either but I am painting in my brain yeah I love that yeah that's a beautiful way to look at it and yeah, I do find there are like two camps in a way. With there's like the Pressfield camp of like I've, I picture them as like soldiers and with like, discipline, you know, like, with like, discipline with like guns and things. And maybe I'll yeah. have them on the show at some point, so who knows? But um, and then there's like the 
Um, then there's like the, the peaceful spiritual camp <laughs> yeah. where we're, they're like, Hey man, just let it happen. You know, like you don't even <laughs> fight it. <laughs> and then the, the, there's these two, uh, there's these two camps and, and they're both wonderful. And, and yeah. And whatever works. Yeah. Whatever works. Yeah. Um, yeah. Put me in the peaceful camp. I have, I have, I laugh with uh, my friend, Stacy Nelson, you know, there's, and I've tried to participate in like the painting a day, uh, you know, you do these 21 blog challenges, right? When I I used to, Facebook killed the writer in me, frankly. I used to write every single day. I used to write and publish on a blog every single day until yeah. Facebook came along. And I still write. I just don't write in the same format. Yeah, and, it just goes um, away in a couple of days. Yeah. Right. But I've, so I've tried, like, Allison, you know, you get these great feedbacks from your writing, blah, 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 blah. You should do this. And I try these 21-day boot camps. And Stacey Nelson and I finally, after trying a couple of them about two years ago, we were like, fuck this. Let's do a three-day boot camp. Yeah. About the most, if I if I decide in my logical brain that I'm going to do one of these 21 day or however many day marathons, I only make it to three days. But if I if I do just allow myself to be me and I get going, then I paint almost. I you know I do write or create something almost every single day, whether mm-hmm. it's from tiny little thing or I'm you know up at three o'clock in the morning with well i'm never up at three o'clock in the morning but i'm up <laughs> till 10 o'clock at night which is the equivalent of most people's three o'clock in the morning yeah um 10 o'clock know, at night wow. yeah <laughs> yeah i'm an early I, that's the other thing i go to bed i like i like my sleep right yeah. so a lot of people and i i i got it easy i don't have kids i've got dogs uh you know i i'm pretty much in control of my time yeah. so i'm not yeah. having to to do all that and if i want to paint at you know, 10 o'clock in the morning, I paint at 10. And there has been times when I have painted on a coaching call and I'll tell my client, like, listen, I'm just sticking around with my paint. Is that like, cause it helps me listen. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I love that. You know, I, I, my, the reason I'm, I try, I end up landing in the spiritual, peaceful Mm -hmm. artist camp. Um, although my mind pulls me over to the other camp all the time and these like, (laughs) you know, 21 day challenges or like all this, um, forceful stuff is I saw it with music over and over again that I saw that I could ruin this thing called music. Mm -hmm. Um, because I had friends that were doing it. I had, I knew people that, that just turned into a job and, you know, one of my bass players, we, we did, he, he'd always be kind of like checking his watch during gigs. And even if it was, even if we were killing it, I mean, it was like, it was still at the end of the day, he had this framework that this was a job and he was like a union Mm -hmm. worker and I was his boss or something. And, and, and we were like really good friends. So, but I saw that if I, if I wasn't careful, um, I could easily just kill this thing that I, that I grew up loving and that, that has been such a pleasure and, you know, it's gotten me so much love and attention and all this other fun stuff. So um, I think that, that that's what really I, I think about that a lot because yeah. because it's easy to it's easy to destroy the art and it might come back, you know, but but it's easy to chase it away and have it not come back for a yeah. while. Well, and especially if it was destroyed earlier in life, right? Somebody like, you know, for some reason, for, it took me a long time to get art back. And that year, 2013, that I got my art back was a really, really big deal that, mm. it, I mean, that the art was just the outer manifestation of me recovering who I was before I got lost. Mm. And, you know, since then, a lot of the people that are even in our mutual circles that know me, you know, they know Allison before she got lost. And if I showed you a picture of Allison in the corporate world in her banana Republic suit and her straightened hair and her overly skinny body because she was stressed and drinking two bottles of wine a night Mm -hmm. and 
you know, yeah, she was into personal growth, but man, she was ignoring a lot of shit. And I love that girl. I mean, that she has a time and a place, but the Allison I am now is, is, is so genuinely much more peaceful and art and creating art gave that to me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's funny, you know, I think about my desk, um, even on my desk right now, like I have a set of crayons. My husband, I, you know, he asked me what I wanted for Christmas two years ago. I, I wanted this 72 pack of nice. these water, the really nice watercolor crayons. It's expensive, right? Mm-hmm. These are expensive crayons, but they sit on my desk. So even if I don't feel like creating art, I can pull out and take notes in a crayon or I can scribble with them. And then you take a wet paintbrush and go over it and it turns it into watercolors. Mm-hmm. Right. So so whether I have something like that or I have a set of colored pens and a stack of blank paper, even if I'm not painting, just to get something out in in color mm-hmm. is it is soothing, right? It's my way of of not losing it. And yet there's no there I don't have to be disciplined. It's just, oh yeah, I take notes in hot pink instead of a black pen or a blue pen or whatever. I love that. Yeah. 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 So take me through, um, let's just say I I was going to, you know, I was like your journalist and I had a video camera and I was following you around as, as you were, uh, you know, about to do art, doing it and then, you know, kind of getting into it. Um, just take me through your process. I'm curious um, on a typical day that, that you would spend some time with the canvas. What does that look like? Um, perfect. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the first part of that, and this is a part of every day, and then I'm going to go into the canvas. But if I haven't done this, I guarantee you the canvas doesn't happen. And behind my desk, so my office is set up and it's very colorful and it's set up in a way that it's also my studio in our house. It's um, in this house that we moved into. It's this huge dining room. And so I'm very fortunate to now have a nice large space because I have tons of stuff. And one side is the office with all my books and, you know, where I do my coaching, some of my coaching calls and, and sit at the computer. There's a reading corner and a chair. My art is all over the walls. And then on the other side is a storage cabinet with art stuff I don't use very much. And then all along one wall is um, all my paints and all my materials. And then I, in the corner, I put up canvas on the wall and I have two corners where I don't have an easel, but I have bolts in the wall that I can just hang a canvas on. Mm -hmm. And um, so I can work on two canvases. And then I also have a table where if I want to have a a canvas flat, I have that there. Mm -hmm. But behind my desk is this, uh, I don't know what you call it, a credenza or a buffet. Actually, it's a buffet. And that the top of that buffet is sacred. That's where my altar is. And that's where I put, I keep my animal medicine cards or I keep my tarot cards. Um, I keep stones. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people give me the most delicious, beautiful symbol gifts, right? Um, I keep the energies um, and some trinkets and a couple of candles. And I light Nag Champa incense Mm -hmm. because it's my favorite flavor. I light a couple of candles. I, one of my favorite paintings is above the altar. It's the second painting I've ever done. And it was a she Buddha, so to speak. And she's above that, um, that brain picture exploding. Some, a lot of the people in, uh, in our common communities have seen that, that iPad drawing of the brain, full color brain. And that's up there. I'll link people to that. uh, Yeah. yeah. And I, uh, I just spend a little bit of time sitting with that. 
um, I, I usually turn on Pandora and I have a couple of stations programmed in there. Which stations? And so that's, um, well, and I don't really create them. So I have a relaxation, uh, and a meditation station. I have a, there's one, I can't remember the name of what it's called right now, but it's more, um, it's more like shamanic music, like Indian music. Uh-huh. And then I'll tell you, I'll hold for a second when I tell you the one that I paint to you cause you're going to crack up. <laughs> okay. Um, I think it's funny anyways, but I love it. And so I don't really curate music. Um, I wish I would like, I just wish I was, I I wish I thought in terms of music, but I don't, but I like to have that soft, peaceful morning and that's, I don't take any calls before 10 o'clock. And so that is, and sometimes I sit there and sometimes I Facebook, sometimes I pull out my journals or I look through, I have a stack of my art journals and I just, I look through with I I allow myself to ramble in this space, Mm -hmm. usually from 6 a.m. to 10. Sometimes I'm having to deal with dogs and or maybe even going back to bed, having my coffee or reheating my day old coffee. I'll Uh admit it. Uh Um, (laughs) Right. But this is my sacred creative time. And that sets the tone for everything. And there are times when I move straight from that into painting. So when I paint, I especially if I'm painting at night, I love to paint with a glass of wine in my hand. Um, all my wine glasses are covered in paint. In the morning Um, it's vodka, right? um, (laughs) No, I don't drink vodka much anymore. I quit that a couple of years ago, (laughs) but yeah. Um, but, uh, absolutely. Um, and I turn on the Bollywood station on Pandora. Nice. To paint. And, there's something about the Bollywood station or that kind of music. Um, maybe sometimes I, I'll pay, pay, play a little Diva Pramel or Deva Pramel, however you say her name. Uh-huh. Um, but there's something about the Bollywood when I very first started painting that just, it helped me loosen up. It, um, I was really conjuring the goddess within me and the, the artist in me is definitely a goddess. And so there was something about that style of music. And it was so different from anything I had really here on a regular basis it it created a really good container and so that's on pandora i do keep my cell phone by because i take pictures of the process and share it and like you you said earlier right like it's gotten me lots of attention and Mm -hmm. and i just allow myself to be loved on by my peoples you know i i share everything on facebook and we have a whole nother conversation recorded somewhere about that but Mm -hmm. you know i love to share my process i love to share blank canvas um, and so one of the first things I do on a blank canvas is I'll either write a word or actually I've moved from writing a word, like an essence word, um, to writing, um, like a free flow love letter to myself, like mm. almost like I just tap into the divine and it's like, okay, what do I hear spirit telling me? And I'll just write that love letter to myself and fill up the entire canvas and I'll take a big black Sharpie and do it. Right. And just write, 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 write. Mm. real big, loose letters, et cetera. And then, um, I love to, um, I love to, to paint with my hands. So I, you know, mm-hmm. I put a couple of colors. I have all, I have different stuff. It's, so it's whether actually lately I've been painting with a more liquid acrylic paint. It's like a, it's almost like an India ink, but it's not India ink. It's, um, acrylic paint and been playing with those and so whether I use those or I use regular paint and I always have a squirt bottle and just squirt the shit like it it just drips and I turn my canvas and you know my first layers are um 
I, I usually paint in layers. I have no idea what I'm going to paint. I just mm-hmm. pick colors based on what I feel, what's coming up. I turn the painting. I, I am close to the painting and then, you know, I'll pause and take a break and I'll walk across the room and look at the painting and mm-hmm. everything is very intuitive for me. Literally, you know, I'll be in the middle of something and I'll kind of hear this voice that says, grab the gold paint, right? Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. or use, you know, whatever materials and kind of calls out for me. And, um, if I'm in a place where I need to let something dry, I'll either open up my art journals and create. So my art journals are fun because you just make a mess on the background. And then once it dries, you can write on it. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's these people out there that do this amazing art journal work and they always have finished pieces. And I really just create a mess in the background. So whether it's cleaning off my paintbrush or scooping out my, um, my palette, right. And taking the leftover paint and putting it on another canvas or in my art journal to Mm -hmm. create texture, just, I, you know, nothing is really wasted. I'm not really concerned about waste, but I've realized like leftover paint can start a brand new canvas mm-hmm. and create magic somewhere else. Can you talk um, about the art journal a little bit? Cause for people who might not be familiar with that, I guess that concept or how you do it or what that's like. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting. I came across, I came across that on Pinterest, right? Like just, I don't know, I would see these crafty people doing these art journals. And so an art journal is basically like a large blank book, right? You can get them at a craft store and they have a little bit thicker paper inside, right? So that paint or ink won't go through it. And um, I first began with just little books from Michael's. And then I've, I've since upgrade. I have a certain book that I buy off Amazon that the inside of the paper is, is a lot thicker. Um, I can't remember what it's called right now, but I started with spray inks. There's these spray inks called dilution spray inks. Mm -hmm. And I was actually working with a creative coach who was, she was the woman who taught the first painting class I went to and she would guide me through these processes and she had homemade, uh, spray inks and we would spray and, you know, you kind of pick a color and it drips and you can kind of you know, smush it and like make these Rorschach ink things and the colors blend and, and, um, you know, so I have one session with her. Well, then I go home and I Google search, you know, art journaling techniques. Mm -hmm. And then I end up in a massive, like two week love affair with YouTube, my art journals and these spray inks at my kitchen table. And I would have two or three art journals going at a time because one would need to dry while I was working on another. And then once something dries, you can go to the next layer. But it was amazing how, you know, and here I was somebody who was just starting to paint. I know no techniques. I haven't had an art class since I was, you know, t- uh, in second grade. And I certainly don't remember what they were teaching me there. So I've n- not mm-hmm. learned any techniques, but it just gave me permission to play and experiment. And what I loved about the art journaling and what I was seeing online is that the whole idea was to allow yourself to make a mess. Yeah, that's what that word journal makes me think of. It's like, hey, this isn't going to be published. Don't worry about it. Just go do your thing. And and so, you know, you can tear something off, kind of mixed media stuff. And it was just a place to experiment. And then that's when I realized, oh, my gosh, I love this process. And I just took it to the canvas. Mm-hmm. Uh, the canvas, the only reason I moved to canvas is because I just like doing it big. Yeah. I, I, I don't even... 
I don't want to paint small and detail. I want my whole body into it. And I want to be able to dance while I'm doing it. And I want to be able to move and stretch my body. And so that's kind of how I outgrew the art journal. And now really the art journal, the art journal is for when I'm traveling or, you know, not mm-hmm. in a place where I can carry canvas and paint, mm-hmm. but I can, I can take co- watercolors and a watercolor pen. Um, so it's a paintbrush that has water in the brush. So you don't have to have a cup of water and I can sit in a conference room with a black pen, this art journal, a little travel kit of watercolors and have everything I need to be creative mm-hmm. without having to carry my whole studio. Mm-hmm. And so the art, the art journals just gave me permission to make a mess and to see, Oh my gosh, there's so much beauty. Like, Oh, I love this part. Right. Or, or even if I didn't love the whole thing, I could love the mixture that two colors made or playing with gesso or, you know, I could just test out stuff. And if I really liked it, then I could, you know, I could finish it. And if I really wanted to later, I could go back and write on it. Or I remember one day I felt like shit. And so I just picked the shittiest colors and I made a background instead of it being beautiful. I tried to make the ugliest background I could. Nice. And I, ma- I made two or three. And for me, that was permission to come back later for when I was having a bad day. I didn't want to write my bad day on a pretty page. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And so I gave myself the gift of a page that I didn't like to honor my bad days, right? Like, so that the writings on the page would feel like the background behind it. Nice. Hmm. It's so interesting explaining this stuff, right, without showing it. Because normally, I just walk, you know, I'll just open up my journals and show show people what they are. Mm-hmm. But um, so I've done, you know, business plans in there. And created the essence like the energy just based on color and what does you know you could there's a little technique uh that Whitney Freya taught me she's an artist um and she taught me this technique where you just do the scribble right and then you look at your scribble and you like kind of like looking at clouds and you see what's coming up like there's messages in the scribble right like spiritual messages in the scribble and then you kind of paint it and you just start noticing like what what is the truth that showed up and and that really set me free from this idea that I had to create a certain way or that I had mm-hmm. to have a finished product. Yeah. And, and then when I took that to canvas, all bets were off. All bets were off. Mm-hmm. I like what you said about honoring the bad days and what you did with that. And <laughs> one of the things that I, I'm, I'm curious to talk about is, I mean, it's really a, a thing that's run throughout uh, what we've been talking about and, in your art life recently, but it's like how, you know, taking, you know, having art be an amplifier for your life or, mm-hmm. um, you know, even as you moved from like the straight handed Banana Republic, you know, Allison to like the funky, uh, you know, paint splattered Allison, um, you know, or even a conversation that we had, uh, like what was like three or four weeks ago about this idea, yeah. like, okay, so I'm angry and I'm upset. And how, what do I do with that? You know, like uh, I would love you to speak a little more about your experience with, with, you know, having art be, um, yeah, just sort of like a permission Avenue to, to, to have life just be either easier or richer or make more sense. Cause I feel like you do that really well. And that's also been a big mm-hmm. part of your own transformation as a woman too. Yeah. You know, Dave, that, um, I, I was, for people listening, I, I, you know, I'm, I have been known for the last six or seven years on Facebook as this very positive 
person and have been going through like my wildness is not just wildness, but my fire, my Kali rage is starting to come out and, and things that I have been so, yeah, man, just be allowing and let it be about love and let love win. And now I'm like, fuck you. Hell no, I ain't standing for that, (laughs) you know, and just like, just, I don't know, some guy, bless his poor little heart, and I know this guy in another context, and, and we've had discussions that we have very different political views, and he's kind of hijacked threads before, and I posted one of my paintings, and he, you know, he was like, to be technical, those aren't really dream catchers, they're mandalas, and I, right. I wrote on the thread, dude, I'm going to slap you, and if we were standing in a gallery, and he, as my friend, said that, if my husband said that, if you said, if somebody said that in that moment where yeah. I'm sharing something of my vulnerability, I would literally turn and go, I want to slap you right now, and then I would turn away and walk away, and that would be the nicest way I could say you're a fucking asshole, back off, Right. and and it turned, you know, it's that, a couple other things, and you this message and I just I so appreciated being seen and you said I love that side of you I want more of that side of you and and part of this journey that literally I'm in the middle of is being okay with that side of me and that she is beautiful that she's not ugly right like I I don't know what guys are told but we're supposed to be nice little girls like being a peacemaker and be sweet and don't use foul language and you know all these things that we're kind of taught culturally Mm -hmm. and it's like how do I let my rage out and do no harm. And so for right now, I have one painting. It's not even a finished piece. And I I haven't figured out because I have been painting my joy. And it's interesting because most all of my paintings, I have one that I'm actually looking at right now in my bedroom. But save for this one painting that is the color of my bedroom and I did it to consecrate this room, everything else, I can't help but paint in full bright color because Mm -hmm. that's where I've been in my life. Mm-hmm. Except mm-hmm. for one day, I got I got in a fight over the legalization of weed. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't over that, but I got in a political fight. I was at a dinner party with actually some of my best friends and another couple, and you know, and everybody had a couple glasses of wine. And I'm a happy drunk, and I'm also like to think and talk, and you know, everybody in the room except for this one couple that I don't know. I we we all know that we agree to disagree, and you know, we've had disagreeing conversations for 10 years, no big Mm -hmm. deal. And Mm -hmm. so I'm asking this guy a question and he just lit out into me and he got up and he physically bowed at me and he, you know, fuck you, Allison. And my husband wasn't there. And he, you know, he made, he didn't, he was across the room, but just that physical bowing. And I was just like, uh, uh-uh, I'm not taking <laughs> abuse. I was, I was not that calm. Like I was like, well, no, fuck you back. I'm leaving. And I grabbed my wine bottles and I got in the car and I sped off. I was like, I will not tolerate it. And that this was March last year. And I'd had two or three friendships that just, they, they, they became literally physically and emotionally violently abusive. Mm. And I felt like spirit was saying, don't take any more of this. So I come home and I am, I'm shaking. I got pulled over. I shouldn't be driving. The guy never even asked about alcohol. The the cop was like an angel who said, you know, I'm in a rage. That's why I was speeding. This guy said this. And this cop just looked at me and goes, ma'am, I'm so glad you left. Let's breathe together. And so like this angel comes, but I, so I, I drive home a couple miles and I get home and I am just pissed. And at the time my art studio had moved to my garage cause we were moving and I flipped on all the lights and I pulled out a canvas and I had these big giant two inch paint pens. And I just, I was like, fuck you, fuck you. And I wrote his name and I wrote his nice. fuck you Republicans or goddamn, you know, I just, <laughs> I let it rip 
Fox News this, you goddamn undercanter. <laughs> I mean, I just let all my judgment and anger rip on this one canvas. And which is ironic because at the time I was painting let or I was painting love paintings for a money project. Yeah. And I was painting all these love paintings and I just grabbed one that wasn't a love painting and I just lit into it and I still have it. And it's not, you know, it's it's more like been a venting place, but frankly, I haven't had the guts yet to create something that I'm I'm, I'm willing to call art. Mm-hmm. Right. I haven't will, been willing or and, and I'm, I know that it's coming, but how do I create a piece that is my rage and be mm-hmm. proud of it? And I think, God, I'm just having this moment here. Right. Like that's when I'll really. I, I mean, I love painting the fun, happy paintings, but I think I'll I'll have a deeper respect for myself as an artist when I can paint my rage yeah i can paint my sadness so like um, you know i i've actually started a painting recently of a i want to paint dogs and i want to paint a whole bunch of boston terriers and Uh part of that is grieving my boston terrier that died and and that's easy to paint my grief Uh but to paint my rage terrifies me Mm. and i trust it'll come out when it's supposed to come out yeah yeah well you know having known you for a few years and also under, uh, you know, being in the community of people that also know you, um, I, your fire and Kali is, is definitely not just one of the things that I, I love the most, but something that to me has you stand out in mm-hmm. the group of people that we know. So it makes you worth, you know, spending significantly more time with, or, or you know, mm-hmm. reading those, poster or just paying attention to because it's it's i feel like it's what it's what a lot of people are missing you know and and i don't want to say especially a lot of women because that really is just such a but but in a way i I, there's something about that when a woman comes forth and just you know ruthlessly stands up for what she believes and it might come out as outrage outrage it might come out as like vulnerable sadness or whatever but I just, I absolutely love that. And it's, it is one of my favorite things about you. And, you know, I know that if there's, and truly this is, if, if I meet a woman who needs to express herself and, and I think that a little bit of outrage will, will, it's kind of a key. I think I, if I feel like she's repressing a little bit her, of her, uh, let's just say, yeah, she's kind of being nice and polite, you know, she's trying to please mm-hmm. everybody. I think of you. You're the first person I think of, and and I mm. and I and I try to, you know, I'm I'm going to send her, you know, I'm going to send you, you know, send her to your website or something because I, I think it's, um, it's a huge gift that you have, and and I think that you really help people see that that's okay, and uh, and that's what I love about you. So well, and I'm learning. You know, I I grew up in a family that raged in a very unhealthy way, and I also had a dad who would say, "Stop that crying bullshit!" Like he really. Mm-hmm suppressed he just wasn't able to handle our emotions at the time yeah and and um and there there for me and the reason I, I guess I identify it with a woman is because my women friends always could handle it but for some reason I, I created men in my life that were not okay with it and and my ex-husband told me that he left we had one argument in five years together and mm-hmm. he told me that and I had I, he was he didn't come home late one night in Austin and there was a flood that night and he had to cross the river. And I literally was 
you know, everybody was worried. And then, and, and we, we thought he had, his car had been swept off in the, in the floods and his work people were looking for him and all this other stuff. And it turns out he was over at some girl's house. And when I found that out, I lit into him and I fuck you verbal abuse, the whole thing. I just lit into him. And he told me, you know, years later after we had divorced, he said something changed that day. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to be married to that. And mm-hmm. I, I lost my shit. And, and then, um, you know, calm it back down. But then in my marriage now, you know, I'm scared of being left and I have this new relationship with my husband and I'm changing careers and he needs security. And uh, we got in an argument one night and all of our arguments are uh, really about his little boy and my little girl. And my little girl was terrified of not being heard, of not being able to have her emotions and leaving. And I was pissed at him. I don't even remember for what. Mm -hmm. And I picked up this vase huge thick glass vase full of rocks and a big ass candle and i aimed it at his head mm-hmm. and then i turned and it i sent it to the wall and the moment it went right through the sheetrock i mm-hmm. woke up wow like i i realized that's not that's not wise and so it got quiet for a while and I think that's where I am coming to now is figuring out and it'll be interesting to see how my art process and my creative process plays into this mm-hmm. is how do we let, you know, I love that, allow it to come out and do no harm, not to myself or to anybody else, right? Yeah. I can be angry without calling names and since then I've learned how to be angry at my husband without throwing something, really without screaming even, and without calling names, right? I can let my fire out without slicing somebody's throat. But when Mm -hmm. I was young, man, that's what you did. And so just coming, you know, instead of pushing it, just like the art, right? Instead of just pushing it all away and saying that's bad, how do we temper it and come back and find out the truth of who we really are? Mm -hmm. And so it'll be fun. I appreciate you honoring that. It'll be fun to play with... um, It'll be fun to play with those energies in paintings because I, I will admit I'm terrified of being seen as a complainer mm-hmm. or bitchy. Yeah. Like, right? Like, I don't want to be somebody who complains on Facebook. I don't want God. I don't want to be somebody that puts out negative vibes. And yet I appreciate you recognizing the holiness in my fiery vibes. Like, mm-hmm. they are, they are high vibing. They're just burning hot. <laughs> yeah. I find that for myself as a writer that that anger is the best thing I could do for my writing. I mean, I wrote this piece, I, probably the the piece that I'm most excited about in terms of you know articles or blogs that I've written, and it was is an article called "Please Stop Believing People That Say You're Fucked Up," and mm-hmm. it happened from a discussion on Facebook. And I actually, it was it was a a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine, who who is in a program right now, and he's an ex Mormon, and he kind of basically just took this like, "Hey, everybody, we're all fucked up. We should all get fixed," and that's why you know and. And and I just I just I saw all these people agreeing with it because he was very enrolling and I and I and I wrote back to him on the thing and I said oh is there a follow up program on how to accept yourself too and you know and, and I was kind of <laughs> snarky and then but it you know I didn't get much response and I and I just said like fuck this this is this is this is what I want to talk about this is what is currently really pissing me off that right. and I took and I actually copied and pasted his what he wrote the paragraph and I put it in the article that I wrote um, <laughs> awesome. and. It was one of the best things I ever wrote. And and I and what I found, too, is in the beginning, it started off, you know, very ranty. And I and then I kind of it kind of it just brought itself home 
mm-hmm. in a fun way, which I didn't really expect. And it just started off and I was saying how, you know, we do this all the time and look at all these different examples, you know, religion, beauty industry, all this other stuff. And then it kind of just like, and then a new thing came in, like a new theme came in about how this is, uh, you know, how we're addicted to hope. And then that, and then it kind of just brought itself back to this, like, hey, you're perfect. You don't need to change. Mm-hmm. And I didn't expect that. And it was, it's yeah. like, I followed the, I followed the passion and, and it, and it led to something cool. Yeah. And you know what I love about that passion and that rage, you know, that underneath it, underneath the irritation, underneath the anger is desire. And and that's one thing that's helped me explore mm-hmm. is like, even if I'm angry, what is the desire underneath? And I realized, and I've realized lately that I have not allowed myself to desire or to want and um, recently I was in an event and I, you know, I was in the hot seat and I was sharing something about all kinds of stuff. But a lot of it was my ugliness, not my ugliness, but this, this side and mm-hmm. my judgment of others and what I want and what I want. And, and, and so later in the day, I decided to make a list of things that I wanted. And some of them, you know, were insignificant. Like I wanted an Advil and I turned around to the staff behind me and I said, I need, I need medicine. I need, I need an Advil. And it appeared right all the way to something that I'm embarrassed to admit even still. And the more I keep admitting it is like, I wanted to be on super soul Sunday with Oprah. Right. Um, and I, I really wanted to be on dark. I really wanted to be on dark in the page with Dave Buddha. And I really wanted to meet Ellen DeGeneres. (laughs) And like, if those three things could happen, then not, not really if they could happen, but you know, these women inspire me as women leaders. And, and I don't know what like, they're like with the scenes, but I wrote all this stuff. Like, what do I want? I want to give money to my sister for her disabled daughter. And yeah. I, you know, whatever it is, I wrote all my wants. And then I was out of the room for a day cause I was sick and I came back and I noticed other people had put their wants up and some of them had ch- changed it from I want to create. And in law of attraction, there is a concept that, Oh, wanting carries a negative vibe because we have to act as if. And I'm a big law of attraction girl. I love law of attraction. Uh-huh. And a lot of it has changed my life. And I, I was like, I'm not changing mine to I am creating. I get that. But I want to have the I say who, I say when pretty woman moment <laughs> right in the middle of that movie. I think we talked about the pretty woman moment once before. Maybe, yeah. Right? Well, at the beginning, she's a prostitute. I have a whole blog about this, but at the beginning, she's a prostitute. And the turning point isn't the end when she says, no, thanks, babe. It's in the middle when somebody comes in and she gets her rage. I say who? I say when? That's Mm -hmm. when the transformation takes. And then, yeah, she raises her vibe to a place of allowing Richard Gere to be whatever but he is. and, Mm -hmm. And she wants to choose her own path. But it's, you know, I, I wanted to allow myself to use the word I want. Mm-hmm. I'm angry that people have said you're selfish if you say I want. Yeah. Well, what you want doesn't matter. So that just kind of continues like really unearthing the desires, right? And anytime mm-hmm. we have a conversation, like what is it that you want out of that conversation on Facebook? Mm-hmm. You want self you want your brothers and sisters to feel self-acceptance, not fucked up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's that's what it is. So yeah, and it's like a, that that wanting. Uh, you know, it, it's almost. I think we we could tease apart that wanting to see. Okay, is it is it the kind of wanting that lights me up? That's like a fire. That's exciting. Yeah. Or is it the kind of wanting 
that's kind of this like pathetic wanting, yes. you yes. know. And if it's pathetic, then maybe we could let that go. But yeah, if it's like, I a, get it. Yeah. If like, hey, I'm I'm wanting this just in the same way that like you know maybe I maybe I I meet a girl and I'm like I'm 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 desiring her like in yes. my desire for her is is informing my whole life. Everything is I'm desiring everything more because now I have this, you know. So I love that. I think that, that there there's okay. such a huge power in wanting. Yeah, I like that distinction too. Like that want, right? There is below the line. I call it above the line and below the line. Above the line is like above the vibration of love, and above the line, wanting really is desire. And then the below the line, wanting is from a place of lack or or victimness. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that distinction for sure. And right now, I want to allow myself to want just at the line. You know, not from victimness, but just at that line and anywhere above. Um, And I'm getting better about asking for what I want and need. And that has been a huge challenge. But, you know, as I'm sitting here thinking it like it is, it it doesn't feel so scary to paint my desires, my even my passionate desires. It feels like I don't know how to paint anger, but I can imagine painting my burning desire Mm -hmm. that I can imagine. So it'll be interesting to see how that shows up in my work, especially since I never sit down with the canvas and say, you know what, today I think I'm going to paint this. Mm-hmm. It's it's all just play until the image shows up. And yeah. then I, oh, it's the same thing like looking in the clouds. Oh, this is what's subconsciously showing up. And now let me give a little form to it in the very final layers of maybe, you know, anywhere from 10 to, to 30 layers of paint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have I have one question that I, I'd like to end the show with usually, and um, so the question is: if you could write yourself a note or paint yourself a picture too, and slip it back in time to yourself at any point in your life, um, when would that be, and what would the note or the drawing say or look like? Just based on what you've learned now, mm-hmm. and if you could just if you could just send a message to your former self, what would, what would it say? I think I would probably send it to somewhere around that five-year-old girl. Mm -hmm. And I would tell her that it is absolutely safe and desirable to be who exactly who she is. Don't, I don't want to say don't compromise, but like keep being who you are. Let your freak flag fly. I would just say, you know, I, I would tell her I love her quirkiness. I love her fantasy mind. I love that she loves color. I love that she loves animals and keep doing that. And and even if nobody else does it, that's what makes you unique and special and to, to be confident and proud of those things. And that it's okay for other people to be into different things, but just to really, it's okay just to be you. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for a wonderful conversation, Allison. It, mm. it actually, I love it when these go a little longer than expected because I, <laughs> I just, um, I really was just enjoying it. And um, thanks for your vulnerability and sharing everything that, you know, is you as an artist. So it's beautiful. Mm, thank you for having me and for mm. sharing your stories. <laughs>